0: WaveAct, the web-free software company that understands what you want. Diego Borger, who just founded Boga Academy at Boga Labs. He also is strategic advisor of Charles, Koda, Cooper, Landwald, and formerly Porsche, Salesforce, and Adidas.
1: I'm currently passionate uh, about AI because, uh, you know, Web3 died and Metaverse died and NFTs are dead. So I needed to find something else to to do all of my life and uh, currently is artificial intelligence. <laughs> the biggest mistake we see within the Web3 industry so far is that we are looking at the technology as the product rather than the technology as the enabler. The education element of every single touch point within the organization that someone owns the key to open the door 2021 and 2022 with adidas nike and other brands Louis vuitton and brands that have made money by using nft as an asset class you don't use your phone thinking that there's just one technology in your phone there's hundreds of technology in your phone put together that make your phone great 21 and, and obviously i've been blockchain since 17 but i'm talking specifically about like quote-unquote web3 20 years ago and i was able to take an action and to make a change positively
0: hi everyone welcome at wavehead Today, the second time with a super special guest that you probably know of, Diego Borgo, who just founded Borgo Academy at Borgo Labs. He also is strategic advisor of Charles, Coda, Cooper, Landwald, and formerly of Porsche, Salesforce, and Adidas, and probably did a lot more that I don't know of yet. So feel free to share that uh, with us as well, uh, mate, if you want so. So and Today we will talk about a super exciting and more than ever relevant topic and that's Web3 and Metaverse in the corporate context. So really thanks mate for showing up again to our podcast and yeah starting out I would love to know a little bit like what you're currently passionate about, what you're working on and yeah whatever you feel worthwhile to share.
1: Yeah, te- thanks for having me. I'm I'm currently passionate uh, about AI because uh, you know Web three died and Metaverse died and NFTs are dead. So I needed to find something else to to do with my life, and uh, currently is artificial intelligence. <laughs> so
0: as as you converted as well.
1: <laughs> converted. It's like a religion, isn't it? People Absolutely. treat that like a religion. You convert, oh, you're from the AI AI guys now. Oh, you're from the Web three guys now. Huh? It, yeah, it's People fun. get really now, mad, yeah. It, I'm excited, man. I'm I'm excited because I love watching uh, history repeating itself, and and right now what's happening is just another example of how history repeats itself. How cycles look like. AI is going through a hype, hype cycle right now, and you know I'm seeing the same patterns and same things that happen uh back two years ago on or with all, with, with all the web 3 metaverse stuff so it's 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 exciting you know it, it's it's as you as you as you sort of like grow older within the industry and and matures uh you know you start realizing um the patterns you start realizing you know the bullshit and and the different things uh within it and uh being able to differentiate and being able to sort of like position yourself in a space that you're like you know let everything else burn and you just keep doing your thing and moving forward because you know exactly what is headed. It's it's really exciting. So that's kind of like where where I'm at. Um, I'm obviously passionate. I'm joking at the beginning, but I'm obviously passionate about AI. Right? It's, it's it's bananas what's happening right now. But I'm mostly passionate in a sense of not as a you know a, a standalone technology that everybody's praising and 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 sort of like uh, you know excited and scared about. But it's rather how the technology will be connected with other technologies to enable a better experience on the web to enable better customer experience and so on so that overall suit of technologies getting together and shaping the way we engage digitally shaping the way we we consume uh, digitally and shaping the way we sort of like live our digital lives that's what i'm really excited about and you cannot leave uh you know spatial computing ar vr metaverse immersive words immersive web whatever you want to call that uh you know and and blockchain and ai and and nfts and cryptocurrencies out of that equation right it's very clear that all of that is now getting together and and sort of like shaping uh forward the way we we engage uh, digitally and i'm excited about that you know i'm excited about being early into a new world um you know especially within technology that i always thought about back on the day how would have how how it would have felt to be at the edge of technology when the internet went mainstream um and i think we we are just there but a lot of people still don't realize
0: absolutely and one really interesting thing that you said is uh, basically that's how i grasp it um so please correct me if i'm wrong it's always then when technology is actually the reason why people buy into something why they think that's awesome then it's in general it's overvalued right it's mm-hmm. uh people screamed we uh, had it tagged everywhere it's that's the next uh, huge evolution but in the end it's about creating value better user experiences better products better services and um i think that and use it pretty well, right? Um, same with
1: AI right now. 100 percent I mean, I, I literally made it a post today talking about it, right? Saying that the biggest mistake we see within the web three industry so far is that we are looking at the technology as the product rather than the technology as the enabler, right? And 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 looking at how how the technology can either solve an existing problem that other technologies couldn't so far, or tap into new new opportunities that you know weren't possible before. Uh, so that's where the real value is at, right? You as as a developer, as, as a guy that's coming from more so, sort of like the, the technical side of things, you understand that the first day in university, that's the way you think about it, right? You start with the problem and then you figure out what is the best solution. You then start with the solution to figure out what is the best problem, right? So that's that's still a lot of what we do within that space. But it's, it's exciting to see that, again, as every other cycle or every other history element, um we are going through that process of like oh the technology is going to change the world oh no the technology is garbage oh maybe there's a use case here or maybe there is no use case and then we sort of like start maturing from there right right now ai is going to solve or destroy the planet is the same thing right and then soon we're going to see that is not as crazy as we are putting as it is it could definitely get there but the current you know sort of like um language models and all of that you know it's exciting but it's it's far from from what a lot of people are, are still seeing, right? So it's, it's, it's obviously very overhyped.
0: Yeah, people always get emotional when and there's you know change incoming, whatever change that could be, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. Um, some something when we jump back to the actual, let's say, corporate environment, which might be more relevant than ever, because people are actually actively looking and evaluating business cases, right? Uh, for Web3 specifically because it was deformed by AI right now. So it looks like me, uh, it it looks like that huge companies still approach you, uh, at least from your uh, sick, let's say, um, resume. What what are the main reasons or maybe let's say thesis why these companies approach you and what is their idea of the space? What do they think initially what they get out of it?
1: Yeah, I think that the motive why they approach me is because of the pink bidding. I wouldn't say it's because of anything else I have to say or my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've been really lucky to, you know, I mean, luck is, is probably a wrong word of use, but, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to be in a position where a lot of those companies saw what I have to say and and the way I think about it and my experiences as uh, as, a, as a as a way for them to bypass a lot of the the problems and and, and sort of like fast forward into innovating within the space, uh, you know. So that that makes me really humble. And if you if you look from like what they're after, I think it's it it consists in three things that are you know super easy to understand. I think the first element is 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 human behavior and customer uh you know customer behavior. So especially within sort of like the, the metaverse and, and, and the digital ownership side of things, they understand that the new generations are growing and, and, and getting older with new concepts of digital experience. Like you and I did got older from moving from desktop to mobile and moving from, you know, desktop websites to mobile applications. Now, whenever we engage with a company, and if they don't have like a super sleek website that's mobile and responsive and they don't have like a great uh, user experience within the app we bounce right like there is no like oh i'm gonna go through this pain because i really enjoy engaging with this company like fuck them we bounced and 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 brands are understanding that the new generation now because we are the old guys now are coming with that but instead of mobile and transitioning from the desktop they're transitioning from the 2d world to the 3d world they're transitioning into the immersive experience through gaming specifically but they will carry that expectation of the world digitally looking like roblox fortnite and minecraft and what i can do within those platforms and how i own my my items and how i engage with my friends and how i engage with brands they'll 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 grow with the same mindset as we do as we did through 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 my example and if brands are not ready to offer then that experience when they become their customers, they're gonna say, "Fuck then," and they're gonna bounce. So again, it's just replicating what happened, right? So this is pillar one. I think that pillar two as well is is the the clear development of technology. I get that question asked hundreds of times about, oh, but this is just a uh, you know, um the seams or, uh you know any type of like platform like i used to to you know play when i was a kid or second life you know second life on on 2007 was the the future and look where we are and i'm like i understand but you cannot compare what happened in 2007 to second life because the technology and the access and the amount of time we spend digitally and on the internet has exponentially shifted right if you look at like, uh, um, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, those those gadgets, they weren't as well-developed as they are. The ecosystem around them was were f- very far from what it is. And the overall experience digitally has shifted tremendously, right? So in that side, what I'm saying is that for sure, Second Life was way early than what should, and wasn't mature enough because the public wasn't mature, technology wasn't mature, to be able to achieve what they envisioned, which you know was was an incredible vision. And right now, that is getting more like to the right timing. Like Google glasses were too early for you know when they came out, and now we're seeing what Meta and Apple are pushing more and more forward with mixed reality. And we know it's going to come because now the, the the industry and customer behaviors is, is is sort of like. Uh, you know, uh, aging towards that direction. So that's sort of like the second pillar, right? So first is customer behavior. Second, this technology has evolved immensely. And then third is is business models, right? Like if if you see that everybody's going to move to that within the new the new generation, technology is finally there in a way that's going to be exciting to be part of it. What will happen? We're going to make money. So now, since we're going to make money, we need to figure out how we make money, which type of money we do, how do we position ourselves there, what is the brand play, how my brand looks like within the space, what is the value, how do we start from early on, right? And I think that sort of like these three elements are, are exciting because that's the way they're looking into that. And, you know, it's sad to see that a lot of them got burned because they were just going after the hype. But the ones that stick around and take time to further strategize and are able to convince their board that they need this longer-term play right now rather than just the hype and many, many, making money right now are the ones that will succeed, as it always happened in history before. You know, there is a new technology everybody jumps on. Oh, uh, it's a fad. Like social media was the same, right? And look where social is at. And, and you know, mobile was the same and websites was the same. and. The internet was the same to the bubble burst, so it's it's just that repetition element and uh you know for me those are sort of like those three factors of of why those brands are, are excited and coming in
0: awesome yeah uh, when thinking about this what what are uh you know from, from a flow perspective right uh, these companies approach you um i guess you are having a couple of workshops with them you would you know do design thinking or whatever you do i don't know um, would love to know and when or how usually is where is the tipping point where these companies say well let's not just do uh, let's say marketing a tryout project right that's what many companies did they did some kind of nft collection they tried to crawl slowly towards a free uh, some ran Right. Mm-hmm. a little bit too fast but or jump off the cliff yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah when it's usually the point where you see that these companies or the board or whoever you're talking with actually gets it right because you have a lot of stakeholders in such huge environments corporate environments and convincing all the necessary uh parts stakeholders in there is a really challenging part, or is that usually already coming from within the organization at its core?
1: Yeah. I mean, it depends is the classic answer, right? It depends, it depends the company, depends the industry, depends the people you're working with, depends the co- company culture, depends, right. But in, in general, they're sort of like a couple elements. What always happens is that you have people that are enthusiasts within the organization that will push it forward internally so you have that one guy or girl that you know got to experience something and now wants to tell everybody and like reshape uh you know the 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 future of the company in certain elements through that experience that he or she believes strongly on and then they gang with other people that were either thinking about it or are interested or already also in there and then that gang becomes you know Almost like that um, initial team that's going to push it forward. And as every good organization, a lot of times then trying to tell the possibilities or talk through the possibilities, especially in a senior leadership level, it's difficult because people tend to pay more attention to externals rather than internals, which is which is you know a crazy reality within uh, leadership within within those those type of companies. So that's when they bring someone from outside to see like, hey, listen, this guy's done that 10 times. Listen to what he has to say, right? And, 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 and in my case, that can come through, you know, training or, uh, you know, innovation days or, uh, you know, keynotes, firesides, uh, you know, extensive workshops and things in that direction. So depending on how mature and what is the size of the audience and what is the current, you know, setup, those are the different outcomes on how they usually bring me in. And a lot of times, that is what ends up converting into you know, an advisory role or uh, a closer relationship. So that's m- the most linear, um, you know, sort of like a path that that I have seen. But everything starts with someone that's excited, you know, someone that has been around and really want to do something, and now they they are they are trying to you know build a voice and, and build a program internally to to push this forward
0: those voices those ideas that you know that they probably have something in mind right what they think could make sense is that uh, something that usually actually then happens to be the thing that is being built or are you ending up completely elsewhere like for example I saw with Salesforce uh, we had this uh, NFT cloud right where you uh, made the experience um, for users much more compelling and easier. And I'm just wondering how these companies actually get there, right? Because many startups think about these amazing uh, use cases, right? Or uh, not use cases, but corporates oftentimes just get it right, right? Uh, so oversimplified. And I just want to understand the process behind that a little bit better. Like, how do you navigate that difficult environment? Because for startups, it's uh, not to downplay, but it's much easier, right? Um, You don't have to deal with that many different interests, company politics, these kind of things. And I just want to know what kind of role you are able, to play in that regard, right? Since you're external, but also how you do that, right? Actually getting your know-how out of here.
1: Yeah, a lot of times, and and again, the answer here is depends, but the different different directions have been, either they have a very clear imagination, they have been building that already, and they need like someone to come and tell what you think about and how you see it, um, you know, uh, good examples of that is Porsche and Cupra, two companies I engaged with that one they brought me to the relationship. They were pretty much there and they were just like, okay, like, what do you think about this? And then we start going through the process of, you know, advisory and, and back and forth and sparring and different ideas. But you cannot make the mistake that an advisor has and like huge leverage to shift everything else that a company is doing because an advisor is kind of like that second opinion. You know like let's let's imagine that you're like a chef and you you cooked a dish and you're like how does it actually taste and you get someone to come and taste and give feedback right a lot of times that's the relationship and if they oh it tastes shit, it's like whatever we're gonna sell anyway <laughs> you know like, a lot of times that's the thing which which can be quite frustrating because uh, you spend so much time and energy you know giving giving all what you think the word should look like and sometimes it's taken sometimes it's not taken at all sometimes parts of it's taken right so that's one example the the other example are are companies that are much earlier stage uh you know like uh, another different example is is gonna be uh cupra and and sorry skoda and uh and shell for example uh, companies I engage with so it's kind of like oh we, we really want to go into this concept of like metaverse and experience and building experience around that and building like a community and building a brand that is sort of like looking into this this new and upcoming uh audience like which directions would you think would be interesting and then we start shaping strategy from the ground up right which which is a is a work that is it's it's more exciting because then you get to see your ideas and input be coming to life because they are they're happening as you build it right which which you know tend to be the better exercise from an advisory perspective or from a strategic uh, support perspective, for example, to World Labs, where we come in and run workshops and shape that strategy together. Right. Uh with Shaw's the same, we 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 sat together and like, oh, we, we want to do something with loyalty. What do you think would be interesting? And then we're like, okay, let's shape that whole thing up. Right. And 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 we sort of like go together and 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 look into use case and things. So It depends where the customer's at. It depends, uh, you know, how much work they've done already. It depends how early or late you are in the process. It depends how much willingness they have into letting you really have a seat at a table um, and and how much influence they allow you to have. You know, some projects, um, some companies do a lot, other companies don't. But, you know, the Salesforce example is interesting because there is a classic tech play where product market fit is the is the is the main kpi right like you you design an mvp you run that you put it in front of a bunch of people you see what they say you see if it sticks or not and if it doesn't you pivot and that's exactly what happened right you went from an nft cloud to a customer 360 uh, as an evolution of that process of finding product market fit so each company is going to be different each process is going to be different each uh, you know engagement even if under the same services is going to be different based on, you know, seven different, several different factors, especially on the customer side.
0: Mm -hmm. Maybe let's switch the question a little bit, like, what, what kind of things have you seen that you're allowed to talk about that makes it difficult for these kind of projects in a corporate environment to succeed? Like what are common or less common hiccups that such companies encounter and how could you overcome them?
1: Yeah, let's stick to three. Um, First of all is education, because you cannot do this thing alone. If you're in a company that has like 70,000 employees, uh, you know, like Adidas is a global company, uh, you you don't do that alone, right? You don't wake up one day and say, oh, we're going to buy a board ape and let's go. So. The the education element of every single touch point within the organization that someone owns the key to open the door, before they open the door, you need to educate them on what you're about to do. What does that mean? What are the impacts? And especially when it comes to this space, it's fucking hard. Because, oh, do you know what a wallet is? Oh, no, I know. You have a wallet? No, I don't. Okay, let me sit you for half an hour to get your wallet set up. right? Okay, now you have a wallet. Do you know what crypto is? No, I don't. Oh, let me walk you through what... So you have like that stacked amount of education, which is huge, especially, you know, when people are not necessarily interested, because when people are interested, it's much high, it's much easier, right? Oh, I don't know what it is, but i love to learn, so let's go together. Um, so I think that the education element is difficult, because in a startup, you get the founder and two or three people that's going to execute and build strategy, and they get together in a room, they draw on the whiteboard, next day the product's out, right? In a, in a, in a large organization, you have to go through, you know, 20 departments uh to make sure that you are allowed to do what you want to do and then you add the layer of education and then you know perfect storm to take 10 months to do a stupid thing so that's one um the second one is just the complexities especially in a fortune fortune 500 level of legal and and corporate and treasury and all of that right like trying to convince a, a company especially back at you know 2021 when we did adidas to bring a volatile asset like cryptocurrency within the balance sheet of a public traded company. It's it's bananas, right? So it's much easier now. There's much more solutions. There's, you know, better ways of on ramping payments. Uh, You know, payments are settled and straight away converted into crypto. There's into into fiat, sorry, sorry. And there's many different ways on which you can leverage platforms to do sort of like the accounting of that. Right. Uh, but still, it's, you know, especially if you look at what's happening in the US and the, uh, you know, idiocracy of uh, going backwards to 1900s through legislation, uh, it's very hard for companies to navigate that ecosystem because now you have governments that don't understand anything about it creating laws to make it harder for you to innovate, right? So that's another part of it. Um, and then I think the third element is that it's, like the, comp- the comparison of startup and fortune 500 is interesting because at the startup, you can move faster. You can do whatever you want. You can break things. You can, uh, you know, get things going and you can innovate real quick, but the impact is much smaller. Whereas on fortune 500, it takes you forever. It's hard to innovate, takes gut, takes people that are really patient that can navigate complex ecosystems and can navigate different layers and you know convince a bunch of people that are entirely different and have entirely different purpose on their work life um but if you were able to do it the impact is gigantic right so it's it's always a matter of like that balance i'm not saying that startup cannot have a gigantic impact a lot of them do like unicorns are, are a good example of that but those are sort of like the differentiator differentiator factors right and, and, and this third element is just the complexity, the complexity of navigating through those ecosystems that make the simplest thing possible become really difficult and hard. And then when it goes to market, you look at it as like, wow, like that's it? Just took them 12 months to do that? And, and indeed it took 12 months and hundreds and thousands of hours of meetings and a lot of money invested to do just that because of that complexity
0: yeah yeah i can, can imagine uh but that that's really interesting that you just brought up that impact uh statement right because that's why things probably need to move at such a slow pace for corporate environments or corporate uh, huge corporations simply because if the step is a little bit too large you're risking your whole reputation as a company right um people will you know simply because of the impact you will create huge waves on social media, which happened a lot as well uh, in the last few years. And yeah, that's definitely an interesting uh, take. So when a corporate is actually looking to enter the space right now, and is not looking at uh, some other technologies like AI, but still thinks web free or the metaverse actually makes sense for them, How would you recommend them to get started? Is there something they should do before they reach out to experts like you, for example, to actually get going?
1: Yeah, I mean, five simple steps. First of all, is is the education, right? Getting, Getting the company to actually understand and be on the same page of what this actually mean. Right? We say Web3 and everybody's like, oh yeah, like that blockchain thing. Oh, we say NFTs, oh yeah, the cartoon things, right? Oh, we say cryptocurrency, yeah, the Ponzi schemes of Bitcoin and, and, other, and other things, right? So how do you get people to bypass the mainstream media and how do you get people to bypass the, uh, the headlining reading to deeply understand in a simple manner? It doesn't have to be complex. Nobody needs to become a you know, solidity dev to, to sort of like to be able to go there. You know, you just need to get people to re- really understand from people that actually have done shit in the space, not the ones that pretend they did to help you and guide you, understanding on what the, the opportunities and possibilities are. I think that's step one, right? Simple as, as simple as everything else. And anytime you got to innovate, the first thing you need to do is understand what you actually you're talking about and bring everybody to the same page. The second thing is reverse engineering the, the, the things that are not working or the opportunities that so far you couldn't crack you know we obviously talk a lot about loyalty within web3 right now because it is a part of every brand equation that current technology especially web2 has not yet explored its full potential because of technology limitations right so of course more loyalty makes a lot of sense of course is is exciting uh, because you can drive revenue but you also can build brand and, uh, of course, it's measurable. You can put KBIs behind it. Uh, it's not alien, so you're not, you know, selling duck photos on OpenSea. So it's very easy for people to understand what this is about. And there is a greater than zero likelihood that blockchain technology is well positioned to make loyalty programs better. So let's explore that, right? So after going through that entire thought process, then you... Say, okay, maybe loyalty is a place we could look at. Look, let's 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 move forward. Now we understand what this thing does. Now we understand where this could potentially help us. And then you get into, uh, you know, okay, how do we strategize uh, and get the right team together to run an MVP or to try to do something or to test or to do an internal program? So that's where when you start getting those people together, as we spoke before, right, that gang. And, you know, you give them resources, you give them... Uh, time, you you put headcounts uh, against it, and you can be almost like that squatting to to be able to start, uh, you know, understanding what are the moving parts within the business that they want to bring together and who are the right people to be on that room, to take the calls and take the decisions to move that program forward. And then once you got to that stage and you sort of like have done your homework, then you get to the strategy part of it, which, you know, can be me, can be Borgo Labs, can be whoever. Um, you know, hopefully someone that knows about what you're doing and you sort of like start fleshing out the overall strategy on, you know, what's needed? Uh, what are the benchmarks? What are we trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? What are the KPIs? How does that sustain the brand? How do we make money? Uh, you know, how long do we think this is going to take? Uh, how does the customer journey looks like? How do we go to market? Where are the right channels? Where is the right message? Where are the right agencies? Where is the right companies that we can engage with? What, what are the right partners? Yala 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 yala. So you start sort of like sorting that out from a strategy perspective, and then you get to the point where you're gonna start deploying tech, right? So what what um, are the tech companies that are gonna be involved on in this? Which chain are we gonna go with? What is the solution, off-chain token or on-chain token? What makes the most sense? Which part of the ecosystem that the brand already owns and exists that we can integrate that with? Uh, what is the demographics that we want to test with? Because you obviously don't want to go tomorrow and test with everybody. How do we measure success and all those different elements of that, right? So you go from education to execution, uh, passing through those steps in a very simplified manner, of course, because uh, I'm just talking about five. But I think, uh, you know, that's that's the way I would look into that. Uh, you know, things that I would advise against, three main things, I think first is, all what happened, you know, in 2021 and 2022 with Adidas, Nike, and other brands, Louis Vuitton, and brands that have made money by using NFT as an asset class and selling, minting, and making money from secondary market within the Web3 native uh, audience, that's that. Forget about that. Don't talk about it. Don't repeat it. We go and find something else to do now because that, that's over. You know, you, you're way too late for that party. Right, so that will be the first provoking question. What else can we do? Because if NFTs are just apes on chain, we need to find other use cases for them. So that's a challenge. And then the the sort of like the the second thing is do not focus on the Web three native only unless you have a very specific why to do it, which in ninety nine percent of the cases is not sustainable and won't makes sense for you, right? And the why is the audience is extremely niche. We as an industry still very connected with cryptocurrencies, which is a very volatile uh, uh, market. So number goes up, Web3 is the future. Number goes down, Web3 is, down, is Web3 is dead, right? So it's very volatile. It's very difficult to, to navigate within that ecosystem. And it's extremely technical. So unless all of this sounds appealing and exactly where your brand should be from a brand perspective, go for it which is you know 99% of the case is not the case so instead look into the already existing audience you have look into the problems and opportunities that are within your brand and going through those steps i mentioned before of reverse engineering the problem is understanding where this technology fits well and is and can be leveraged at its best to enhance customer experience Right. So that's the, the different equation. And then tap on the customer that you already have anyway, because you have millions and millions of people that love your brand and consume your brand every day. Give them a better experience instead. Um, and uh, and the, the third thing is is not thinking in silos, you know, like because now it's all about AI. So let's do an AI campaign, let's do an AI thing, let's do a it was the same, let's do an NFT thing, let's say we are in the metaverse. What's happening is a is a is a is a you know a bunch of different technologies getting together they're all emerging they're all evolving and they are changing every day but they're 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 moving faster than ever and all of them together as a suit of technology are the technologies that are going to shape the experience of the next web and that's what's happening right so don't look into just one or other look at all of them like you don't use your phone thinking that there is just one technology in your phone. There's hundreds of technologies in your phone put together that make your phone great. So it's the same with, with the web in that sense. So those are the five steps and the three pitfalls that um, I would recommend.
0: Love it. It's especially when you said, uh, basically, don't start again with the technology. And like, uh, I want to use Web3, right? Or Metaverse or somewhat in that, in that sense actually where does it fit right if it's ai if it's web free if it's whatever then awesome right uh, use it as a tool as you said in a very early beginning as well so since there are a lot of people that are needed to get such projects off the ground how can viewers of this podcast for example now actually be one of those people like What kind of skills, expertise, or even background do those people need to get started to actually move things forward in their own company? Like, what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, I think that today is easier than ever. Um, You know, back on on 21, and, and obviously I've been blockchain since 17, but I'm talking specifically about like, quote unquote, Web3 where, you know, got more consumer-facing back in or end of end of 2020, start of 2021. Um, it was much harder. You know, everything was like you needed to code it. You need to find someone that needs to write that thing for you. Nothing was, almost nothing was out of the box. Almost nothing was like pre-audit contracts, right? You understand that much better than I. Like you, you literally needed to go and write that thing, right? And, and now you have so many um, parts of the blocks that are already Pre existing that you can, you know, almost like a SaaS model, you can just like tap in and use. And, and you know, with obviously the rise of AI, it becomes much easier to write, copy, generate uh, gen, gen, uh, gen, gen AI, generated generative, um, fuck's sake, generative AI <laughs> images <laughs> that you can use, uh, you know, from an imagery perspective, or even, you know, 3D assets, or even virtual worlds that now can be built based on prompts so think about when the internet started and you had to put to put together a website you would need to take like months and spend thousands and thousands of dollars and get like 30 specialists to help you having a website and right now you can go like on weeks and have it for free that's exactly what happened within these last three years you know and and what does that mean for you is that if you have, even if you're a solopreneur, you can literally just go on those platforms and get going because everything's out there. And a lot of those things have freemium, you know, plans that you can start for free. And then if you wanna use more features, you pay for them, blah, blah, blah. Meaning you don't even need capital to do it, you know? You need to understand what people want and you need to make it easy for them to get their hands on it because the tooling is not the excuse anymore. The tooling has never been easier. Tomorrow is gonna be easier than today, but today was never easier. To do something within that space, so that's already the premise. And then, what you need to understand is, 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 which is the harder part, is what is the strategy? What are you offering? What is the value proposition? Who wants this? Do you really offering something that people really want? What is the business model behind that? How much? Do you, how much do you charge? Will people perceive value? That's harder to crack. Because again, especially if you don't talk to the web three native, like how do you how do you assess, uh, you know, that demand or or the perception of value in a space that's still very new, is still very fresh. People are still question, oh, why would I like to own a thing digitally? Well, because you own thousands of things physically, maybe, and you spend much more time digitally now than you ever did. And maybe in the future, you're gonna look back and say like, oh shit, yeah, I wish I would have owned things digitally. Oh shit, I wish I would have owned my data, which we currently don't. So we are still questioning those things, which, you know, fast forward, Couple of years from now it's gonna be crazy to look back and say like holy shit, like we never owned anything on
0: the internet how crazy was that time absolutely and especially there's this old say uh, old <laughs> to saying uh basically where people say first world countries oftentimes ask why why, culture, <laughs> why <empathy>? well <laughs> uh as a third uh or emerging countries basically say how you know they they understand more likely, especially when we look back where Bitcoin was created in general, like to actually own your money. Like that was the original premise. Now mm-hmm. we have other assets, now we have other things. Yeah. And just awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I would say, is there something else you want to share with us, mate? Um, I don't know about your business, anything uh, you want the audience to know Especially because our little Chief Meme Officer, Ernesto, said, Mm -hmm. I have to ask you this. uh,
1: Thanks, Ernesto. Shout out. (laughs) Zashneke. Chocolate eating snail, yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, dude, like the only thing is, uh, you know, if if you're curious, if you're excited about the space, uh, you know, like the the time is now. There are so many uh, exciting parts. Uh, Be mindful, be careful it's it's volatile as hell i can tell you i'm at the forefront of it you know like uh, you know there's a there's a building on fire and i'm literally sitting and chilling inside of that building like the meme you know with the the coffee mug on the hand and like everything's fine uh but to get in it's it's it, you know it's it, it's on fire it's on fire still there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of risk so a lot of people telling me hey how do i go full time how do i go all in i was like you you probably shouldn't unless you have got a big you know safety net uh or you're really comfortable with taking like large risks uh maybe you can balance it out you know maybe go for a full-time job that you know can do that work in half period and then invest the remaining on 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 coming to the space um it's it's exciting and everything that's exciting comes with risks so be mindful of that um and uh if you're if you're interested in exciting i mean it's a place to be it's so cool imagine you're going to fast forward 20 years from now and be like man like i really created a positive impact when this whole internet thing was just evolving and now is reality and everybody's on it and now everybody's using it and i saw that 20 years ago and i was able to take an action and make a change positively it's, it's exciting it's exciting
0: absolutely um yeah especially uh that positive impact right <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow well, especially nice. that <laughs> if you want to like rug people in scam and Ponzi schemes like probably not
0: awesome. <laughs> hey, really thanks mate for uh, for sharing your wisdom here i uh, really appreciate it and yeah also thanks to everyone watching this and yeah thanks for your time mate.
1: thanks man appreciate it thanks for having me
0: wave act the web-free software company that understands what you want